everyone, and welcome to Aishapedia Uncut. With me, your host, Aisha, or as you may know me on social media, Aishapedia. We are back discussing with Munga all about empowering a powerless society in terms of Black Lives Matter, you know, going against gender-based violence against women, against many, you know, marginalized groups out there that are facing prejudice. The first question that I wanted to just dive into, I'm just going to go straight into it, but when tackling racism and white supremacy, because we spoke about this quite a bit in our first part, you know, most white people, they tend to feel this divisive, this neutral, they're trying to remove themselves from the conversation because they feel they weren't necessarily born into racism or because they feel they would rather, you know, not perpetuate the divide. What are your thoughts on this? And, you know, why do you think it's important for the white generation of today or the younger white generation of today to know and hear about being an anti-racist? Goes back to what I was saying. Everything is is, is about race. The world that we live in turns everything to, to a racial issue, no matter how good we think we are or how good intentioned we, you know, white people believe that they could be or this new generation of white people. Everything is dictated by race. And it, it goes to the conversation about privilege as well. And, you know, there's a lot of white people that have met. They're like, oh, no, but I'm poor I or I'm not, you know, as financially stable as someone that should have that white privilege. I don't have white privilege. I get that. I do. I hear you. But your skin color will always be more powerful than me, my community or other people of color. And I think that if you are refusing to acknowledge that firstly, then you're still promoting a system of racism. And if you are not acknowledging the differences that society has already placed and acknowledging that these differences will always put you at a greater advantage than me, then you're not doing anything to advance the conversation of equality. And it's so important because we're in a time, it's okay to have these conversations no matter how uncomfortable they are. Because back then it was so unsafe. You would literally be physically assaulted. You would be killed for even trying to call out the inequalities. And if you're not available with your open ears and open mind and open heart to try and engage with you know, my feelings, then how else will we live in a better society? And I think a lot of white young people refuse that because they haven't experienced or haven't, you know, had the first, it goes back to the thing about it it doesn't hit close to home. They haven't been in situations with their black friends or whoever that have faced, you know, marginalization. So it's difficult for them to care or have an emotional capacity to the situation. And again, it takes me to the thing. You don't need to be, you know, physically connected to the person or emotionally connected to feel some sort of emotion. Justice is a global thing. That's why for me, for example, a lot of, and a lot of Black Africans would be like, why do you care about what's happening in America or what's happening in the UK? Because, you know, the same thing is happening at home. And it just, for me, injustice is something that should be called out everywhere, wherever people feel that they are, you know, being attacked or being discredited or being, you know, bullied for just existing, I'm going to care. And I'm going to want to use my voice to try and have that conversation. Exactly. Or you can't see any sort of change. It's sort of like you're, you know, you're twisting that knife in an in an already like wounded system. Because, you know, it's exactly what you said, you know, white privilege, it has nothing to do with who you are as a person, you could be the nicest person in the world, you could be very inclusive, you could be working in a place where there's so many people of color, you could be hiring people of color. 
it's it's that idea that you know no matter how you grew up even if you were poor even if you and you were white it's that idea that no matter what even if a black person is rich if they're successful if they're super educated at the end of the day you as a black person is still going to be treated differently because of their skin color because it remains a constant thing and because of the fact that they grew up with this you know this prejudice they grew up with the societal preference towards white people and they grew up with this idea that no matter how you were if you who you were mm. what you do you're still going to be treated differently because of the color of your skin people are going to automatically look at you and they're going to treat you differently based exactly. on the color of your skin you don't understand that if you had to walk down exactly. the street you wouldn't be singled out and profiled and saying this guy is going to mug me about you separating yourself from the situation you have to confront it you have to hold up that mirror because we cannot fix what we ignore if pretending these things weren't happening was the solution we would have been rid of a like race a long time ago i remember there was an article i read about white silence is white violence and it just goes back to that your your silence is complicit it doesn't matter if you're not the one you know displaying these these behaviors if you exactly. are white you need to speak out about it because clearly white people will only listen to white people for me i'm so tired of trying to educate white people on racism and what is wrong morally about racist behavior i'm leaving it to the white people now y'all teach each other y'all help each other learn what's good and bad what would you say to people you know people who are saying oh i don't see in color i believe that you must just choose love that you know that i focus on love and i focus uh, on all the good things and i just feel like the rest will work itself out what do you like what do you have to say to those people the people that just say like i don't want to involve in like you know you know these sort of very controversial questions i just think that's such a such an idiotic disillusioned mindset because if love made the world go round racism wouldn't exist sexism wouldn't exist love would permeate everywhere and we would be fine we wouldn't be having these conversations but if you refuse to acknowledge the reality and the state of the world and what you as a white person who clearly wants to see love and everything can do about it then maybe things would be better i, I met a group of white people a couple years ago that would openly say the n word and i personally hate that word what whatever race it comes from that's just my personal belief whatever race it comes from don't say that word because the origin of the word is rooted in hate and evil and you know um abuse and and murder and so much and i just don't see how you can claim a word and say it's a um a term of endearment those are my beliefs regardless that's a conversation that the black community and specifically yeah. the african american community will have amongst themselves but white people and non-black people it just don't say that word it's just, I, there's no debate about it don't say it but exactly. um this group of white people that were like um I they that were saying the n word and I was like why are you saying that and they were like no my black friends allow me to say it also it's not a divisive term like if I say it I'm not trying to be divisive I'm just trying yeah. to be a part of a community and I'm like you are so I was about to swear you are so <laughs> lost you are so confused you are so stupid because you're still promoting racist ideologies by by saying such derogatory terms and not understanding the art. I don't know. I, I, again, being young means we're so exposed to different things. And the N-word for me, I was exposed through that, to, through through music, through cinema, through everything. And that's why I thought it was appropriate for me to say that. But when you are a critical thinker and when you decide to step out of the box and do your own research, you learn certain things that shouldn't be said. 
And that's what happened for me. I watched a lot of slavery movies. I watched a lot of um, uh, documentaries, everything that, you know, possessed this word. And it just hurt me to think that I was saying this word and there were people that looked like me centuries ago that were beaten, raped and abused with this word. And for me, I made the conscious decision to be very, very um, aware of the things that I add into my vocabulary. And I think that's how white people should be. And you should be critical about these things. This whole thing of I, I don't see color is ridiculous. Again, I will keep saying everything is about race. When we fully start to acknowledge that, I think suddenly we'll start becoming enlightened. You know, it's like a good example that I heard. I heard it was actually, it was, I think I, I read about this and I actually thought like, oh my goodness, this is such a good way to say it. It's like, it's telling, for example, like when you tell people, oh no, don't see color, you know, you should just see, you should just love people. Like just, you know, you should go with love. The example they used was, it's like, Telling people, you know, walking into an orphanage and telling children, love yourself into a family, you know, or like walking into a soup kitchen and telling like the hungry people, mm. don't focus on the hunger, just love yourselves and you'll be fed. Like, <laughs> that's enough. You know, you're telling oppressed people to just like, it's, it's, it's actually so true that these are systematic issues that need to be dealt with. And it's, it's not enough to just be like, no, guys, love your way out of the situation. If you just don't focus on the negative you'll be fine. You know, just try to look for the silver lining. Exactly. And that comes from a place of privilege. Because if you're telling someone mm. to think in the way that you currently think, it's because you were allowed to think that way and you were given the environment to think that way. They're not fortunate enough to be in those situations. And for you to not acknowledge that is for you to put your privilege before the rights of others. And a lot of white people won't acknowledge this because they they think that they're right because they can they, they consistently put their voices above other people when you continue to do that you're negating the conversation yeah. and that's why we keep going in these circles of trying to help them understand and again we're not here to help them we're here to live uh, peacefully as we deserve to live and if you're not going to acknowledge that move over if you're not going to learn and then teach your people better, move over. We spoke about this briefly, but I mean, I'm a person of color, but I can never, ever say that I can understand what a black person has gone through with prejudice that they've gone through. I mean, I may be a woman, I may be a woman of color, but it's never the same. People of color nowadays, you know, they're standing yeah. in solidarity via social media, they're in the protests, they're talking, that they also yeah. have privilege. It's not white privilege, but they have a privilege which they don't realize because, of course, they don't see that they also part of the problem. Because they need to also acknowledge that they are not the same as black people. They were never treated the same as black people. And they are also part of the reason why black people were treated improperly and are still treated improperly. You're a black person, obviously, and you can tell me as a person of color, yeah. how can I do better? How can, I, how can we address this community of people of color privilege? Yeah. The first step is acknowledging colorism. A concept that a lot of people know about but don't actually discuss it because it's another part of privilege that um, benefits a lot of, of, of people of color. Because you do get dark-skinned yeah. dark people of color um, that still face same the same prejudice and discrimination from within their own communities. And I think... That's something that we need to discuss wholeheartedly. The colorism is such 
And it's it's colorism specifically that I'm looking at with black women and even mm-hmm. light skinned, fair skinned brown women. Look at it from the example of beauty ideals. Beauty companies market what's beautiful and what's appropriate and what's attractive and, mm-hmm. you know, what men seek or what companies seek. And if people of color aren't, aren't calling these systems out and saying, you're discriminating against dark skinned women yeah. or, or, or black people, then I'm not going to be a part of this organization with you. Like if you're not taking the extra mile, if you're still taking the money, if you're still taking the the advertisements and and the benefits from these companies that you're not contributing to the fight. For example, when we talk about hair, when we talk about natural hair with black people and and straight hair with black, you know, POC women. I remember within like high school, for example, a lot of teachers, and mind you, these are people of color as well, that looked at my hair or my sister's hair, her dreadlocks and my nappy hair and were like, this is unprofessional. This is not going to get you employed. This is not going to get you a job. This is messy or whatever. And then the ideals that were promoted were straight hair or short hair or whatever. For me, that again is promoting racialized stereotypes that keep us in the back of equality. And POC are quiet. They're not saying anything and they're just allowing these um, racialized stereotypes to continue. If you're not calling that out, then you're no better than the white person that's silent as well. Going back to colorism, there's colorism within other brown people where dark-skinned brown people aren't acknowledged compared to the fair-skinned ones. And how do you... It just confuses me how we can all face the same prejudice and still side with 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 the white oppressors, with the white ideals, with the white mindset, because at the end of the day, they don't care about us. They do not care about us. Like we need to get to a point, And it's again with conversations about capitalistic systems and everything. We need to get over this idea that we need to appease to white people. Listening to Aishapedia Uncut, and we'll be right back. What I've seen here is that a lot of people, even if I've met South Africans here or just even Indian South Africans here, they don't have many, you know, black friends. They have, and that's the thing, they've just never grown up amongst that. They've separated themselves. If they're, you know, colored, mixed race, however you want to call it. They don't have as many black friends. They stick within their own. They don't even have Indian friends. They just stick within their own because they think there is that divide and there's that separation because, of course, you know, the historical oppression of everything. But I think you need to include people in your circle. And I think one of the things that I thought was a big, a big difference that I realized, and I know I keep bringing it back to social media. If you're going on social media and you're not seeing what the problem is that happened, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago about Black Lives Matter, you need to start diversifying your circles. You need to start asking yourself, why am I separating myself from this? Because I'm now making it seem like I'm not part of the problem. I don't know if, you, if you've started noticing how brands and businesses are now being called out because they've said comments like, oh, Black Lives Matter. They posted the Black Square for Blackout Tuesday or they'll put out a very generic statement saying in light of what's going on, you know, it's da, 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 da. And people are calling them out saying, OK, well, show us how many workers you have that are actually black. Show us what are you doing for your people of color? What are you doing for people who are black that are actually at the top? You know, who at the top is actually black? Who like you can say, okay, we have people of color, but show us your stats. We want to see the receipts. I don't understand companies that and 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 these are the same companies that will come every 
Pride Month in June to preach diversity about LGBT issues, but are have homophobic CEOs or whatever. And these the same companies are posting about Black Lives Matter because it's convenient, because they, they want to seem relevant. But are you not dumb enough to know that people can dig up receipts and call you out for your lack of diverse members of people in your company? I know Superbalist, they're being called out at the moment because they didn't allow their employees to speak out, speak about Black Lives Matter. And then their employees called them out on social media. And then they went on their social media. Actually, they only went on their Twitter to say that they don't support Black Lives Matter or blah, 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 blah. I found it interesting because I was like, OK, here's a company that's saying with their chest that they don't want to support this social justice issue. And you know what? They're being honest. We're hearing them out. It's cool, but we'll still cancel you because how can we support a business that continuously profits off of black models or black influencers and then says they don't support black lives? Like, are you an idiot? That's actually where I wanted to lead us to. Do you, are there any steps that you would recommend to anyone listening out there that has no clue in understanding the struggle? And, you know, how can they actually feel empowered towards the movement, whether it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, being against gender violence against women, or even just against police brutality? Or where can they get educated? Like, where's a good place to start? What would you recommend? What, what have you been doing, you know, to recommend to your friends? obviously read a lot of literature, Angela Davis, Kimberly Shaw, a lot of, and a lot of black female writers write a lot about the experiences of black women and black men and, and, you know, LGBT, everyone, like there's so much literature out there that, and now that, 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 that everything's going on, people are making this literature free. So it's for you to take the extra step to go and acknowledge these issues. But for me personally, I'm a visual person. Like, like I love listening yeah. to things and watching things and, and learning from that. So documentaries, I mean, Netflix is probably the most affordable and re- reliable source of this kind of visual information. Go and watch When They See Us, 13th, which is about the uh, prison system in the States. There's so many, I'm not saying go and watch slavery movies. Like if you want to, if you want to go and watch Roots, you know what, go be, go be my guest, go and do that. I personally won't watch that again because it's very traumatic and very, very triggering. I think the only way to build empathy is to watch the things that will make you emotional. Take the extra step to go and cry. If you're crying when you watch When They See Us as much as I've watched that like four times now, and every single time I watch When They See Us, I'm just bawling my heart out. That's how I think, you know, non-Black people should feel watching this stuff. It You should feel riled up to want to go and protest or want to go and sign a petition or want to go. You know, there's so many things that you can do right now to help advance the fight for equality for Black people. You don't need to go, you don't technically need to go to school to learn about racism or how to abolish racism. Log on, Google the thing, get that knowledge, and let's move. All the programs that you've mentioned are just so enlightening. And I love, love, love Kimberly Crenshaw. Her views on intersectionality is just insane. And she's just such a good orator. And she's like at the, I mean, she coined the term intersectionality. She's just a a really great place to start. I'd also recommend, you know, reading this book that's been recently made into a movie. It's called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And he's also part of the Equal Justice Initiative in America. And he, that's also another true story I would recommend. Try and watch as many true stories or true documentaries as possible because it becomes very real for you. It can it can be triggering. So I would advise if you feel, you know, you need to take a break, it's understandable. But if you want to look at it from not a lighter point of view, but I think Dear White People, Netflix show needs to get more hype. Yeah, exactly. I think with Dear, Dear White People, that's perfect that you mentioned that. I completely forgot about that because I think... You actually told me about it. 
Yeah, I remember I followed that movie since it was a short film. What I loved about it was it mirrored our, our current society like so well like the settings yes it's 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 an hbcu and it's it's you know a majority of black students there and stuff like that but it felt so normal to be in a, a tertiary institution and engage in conversations about race with everybody another thing that i also i mean you've put this up on your instagram stories as well about the youtube video that you can just have playing on in the background just supporting black artists and if you don't like if you can't donate I think listening to stream is still a way of support and you don't have to be like spending so much money on it because some people say, I can't afford to do that. Okay, then you can't, if you can't use your words or you can't, you know, do those things, that's okay. You can still listen. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be listening to documentaries all day. You can also just listen to their music and understand where it comes from. Yeah, I mean, even not only YouTube, Spotify, Apple, whatever streaming platform you prefer, if you just leave, you don't have to be on your phone or your device when they, when these things are playing. Leave it on mute. You're giving these artists, and specifically independent artists, you're giving them a way to make some income. The bare minimum that you can do if you can't donate. And donating doesn't, like you said, it doesn't mean spending all of your money or literally just sitting at home with the privilege of your Wi-Fi, leaving something streaming while you read a book or while you cook or whatever. You are doing so much more for the people in that community than you know. And it's just for you to take this, the, the extra step and learn how that actually benefits people. I think if people had a better understanding of, of how streams benefit artists or how um, buying art from artists or, or whatever kind of way that can help people through the internet if people took the time to you know understand what that really does i think they do it more especially especially because you know this is something that's not going to go away and it's not going to go away overnight and i think even though these conversations are very difficult they're just necessary it's it's things you know words words don't just float into the air and dissolve it's something that we need to realize that they form ideas they form opinions they guide our actions these are things that they need we need to realize and i think just being aware of that is so res- it's it's a responsible move exactly i mean it's like looking at the protests that have been happening the past couple of weeks in the states and you know i know the, the the buzz the media buzz has been dying out but it doesn't mean that the fight is not going on it also doesn't mean that two weeks or three weeks of protest will abolish 400 years of slavery or 400 years of inequality and, and all those things like that's let's be realistic like that's that's not how it's going to work we still have to put in so much effort and work and energy into you know, dismantling the systems that continue to ruin Black communities. And it's the fact that we're having these conversations openly and actively. And I mean, the fact that laws are slowly being changed in the States. And I mean, obviously here at home, we need to we need to deal with things and acknowledge things and fight even more for things. But we have to keep the conversation going. We have to keep the fight going. We have to keep the anger alive. That's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation with you, because I think you are one of the best people to speak to when it comes to empowering voices because you have this perspective that we can still do better. It's not that, you know, we can't do better. Mm -hmm. We can still do better and we are not doing enough. So we need to start learning. It's been so amazing actually just speaking to you because I think the things that I've just learned from this conversation, Mm -hmm. I'm sure people who are listening are going to be thinking, wow, like I need to, I need to take this all in because it's a lot. And these are things, these are heavy Mm -hmm. conversations. These are conversations you need to be having every day and we need to be consistent We need to keep up the fight. We need to keep up the change. We're going to need to keep empowering our black brothers and sisters, our our women. We need to protect our women. We need to, you know, we need to be there for these marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. But we also need to realize that 
we need to call a spade a spade. We can't live exactly. behind these, you know, neutral lines. On that note, actually, I just wanted to thank you. And I wanted to tell people to check out your Instagram at Munga K. I really yes, appreciate what please. you put out there. I'm sure people who are looking where to begin and where to start, I think that's the first place they should look. And they should also support your latest part one of your album, An Ode to Growth. You know, tell please us. Please pay me. I'm broke. <laughs> Plus, you know, if, in fact, if you if just go show some love and if you have any comments or questions about today's podcast, just please check out the Aishapedia Uncut Highlight Reel. But on top of that, Munga, I'm just so grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to listening to more from you. Mm-hmm.